Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Money and Me on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Arun Pai joining us live now. We turn now to the Chief Crystals Officer at Crystal AI for his reading of news that matters to investors. Arun, good morning. Good morning, Michelle. Good of you to join us. Let's start with news that is top of the pages in the Straits Times, in the Business Times as well. Protesters have trashed the Singapore Reeds Mall in Hong Kong. Festival Walk is owned by Singapore-listed Maple Tree North Asia Commercial Trust. What is on your stocks to watch list to do with companies with Hong Kong exposure, or maybe you want to share us share where the opportunities are in Hong Kong, given what you're reading. Yeah, it's an extremely uh, messy situation, right? It never mm. seems to end. Where the, you could see the protesters were kind of like being limited to uh, weekends only, not disrupting the office crowd, and potentially, I dare I say, the level of violence was reducing a little bit. But then, though I'm no political analyst, the protesters, I guess, saw that the effect was not taking place as extensively as they would have liked. And uh, lo and behold, uh, started affecting uh, weekday office traffic and crowd and uh, bringing the city uh, yet to a standstill uh, at the beginning of this week. Now, overall, it's an extremely messy situation, obviously. Uh, REITs have been affected. Banks have been affected. Consumer spending. Swiss watch industry, like the numbers have been pretty abysmal in terms of year-on-year sales growth in that country. There might be, or I personally feel that there can be a lot of value traps over here, mm-hmm. given even though the stock prices have come off a fair amount over the past couple of months, there can be a lot of value traps. It really depends on how much this protestant uh, issue like escalates. But at the same time, in terms of some stocks that I'm looking at, Xiaomi would be on the top of my list. An IPO just about close to a year ago. Share prices have cratered quite a bit, but overall I feel their team of creating an IoT ecosystem. They're extremely good and extremely high quality manufacturing comparable even to like Europe and the US. Uh, done a fantastic job of that. Great smartphones. The one thing that I personally did not anticipate was the love for Huawei by the Chinese locals, realizing because of this trade war that Huawei is going to be extremely affected, they actually doubled down and went about purchasing only Huawei phones, which was a bit surprising. But at the same time, in the long run, hopefully if the U.S. trade war kind of resolves itself, that nationalistic uh, passions purely for Huawei goes into Xiaomi also, and hopefully the share price will see a little bit of love. The other theme that I really like is, uh, you know, this whole, the the aspect of water in terms of ESG, in terms of the fact that it's the most important resource that humans need. And the stock that I really like in that space is uh, Beijing Enterprise Water. It's been doing a really good job so far of creating water purification plants and servicing them. They are a little bit leveraged. That being said, it has very strong government backing, long-term contract. Share prices just dipped below under four Hong Kong dollars. So I'm definitely acquiring it over there. And sticking to the same green theme, to finish off the list, I would say BYD, which is the electronic car manufacturer. 
you know, in Singapore, we've seen a number of uh, taxis, hopefully, bearing the symbol BYD. Charlie Munger actually came out saying that the CEO of the company is basically our generation's Thomas Edison. Wow. I guess there's no better compliment than that from one of the smartest investors of all time. So it's probably those three stocks are the ones that I'm more closely looking at. Well, thank you so much for that. Well, speaking of Hong Kong, I was just reading the papers today, Alibaba set for a Hong Kong listing. So China's Alibaba has been given the go-ahead to list shares on Hong Kong. This could be the city's biggest IPO in almost a decade. And a week-long roadshow was kicked off yesterday as Alibaba looks to garner interest from institutional and retail investors. What do you make of that? Yeah, you know, it's a 500, close to a $500 billion company. They're looking to raise something like uh, $15.15 billion uh, in Hong Kong. Is it the best time to be doing it given this, uh, you know, the whole political crisis we just talked about? Probably mm. not. But it's interesting, no doubt. Uh, they've definitely, they've tried and failed at this in the past. The timing seems to be a little bit interesting, again, you know, given the whole political issues over there. But I guess they've just come off reasonably successful uh, singles day launch, I would say. Mm. And uh, I guess uh, might as well pull the trigger and uh, try and raise a bunch of capital uh, right now. All right. Moving back to Singapore, also in the papers today, by 2025, security clearance at our immigration checkpoints are going to go fully automated. Fingerprint, facial, iris scans, border security is just one of our five key national AI projects. So five AI projects in Singapore, all expected to deliver quick results and have high social impact. So speaking of AI, Arun, there's a new initiative underway, MAS working with financial institutions to promote the responsible adoption of AI and data analytics. It's called Veritas, and it's meant to enable institutions to check their AI and uh, analytics-driven solutions against certain principles of fairness and accountability and ethics. And it's hoped that these um, guidelines will be co-created, MES working with the financial industry. You're in this sphere what do you think this new framework could mean for the financial industry? You know, it's really interesting, Michelle. Whenever artificial intelligence, the terminology comes up, views are very, very polar, right? And this kind of like reminds me of this conversation or, well, a little bit of a banter that Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg were having. People who are a lot smarter and a lot, lot richer than me, where Elon Musk basically came out and said, AI is, is more dangerous than nuclear weapons. This can literally doom human civilizations. And Mark Zuckerberg replied to that on Twitter or something, or probably Facebook, I would say, <laughs> is, uh, you know, this, is, this prediction is completely irresponsible. Uh, irresponsible. Elon Musk should not be saying any of this. And Elon Musk then replied back saying, you know, Mark, your understanding is extremely limited in this space. You don't know what you're talking about. So people who are extremely smart have come up with like very different views of this. Mm. My personal take is if there's even an iota of a chance that the world can go down the whole, you know, Skynet, Terminator, Doomsday scenario, this is something that should definitely be regulated and standardized by governments across the world. And, you know, kudos to MAS, uh, which is, you know, one of the forefront regulators in the financial space. 
They'll come up with a sandbox. They'll come up with various, you know, experiments and initiatives to facilitate startups to do well in Singapore and around the region. You know, kudos for them to come up with a, a, a way for companies to try and adopt AI or implement AI in their solutions in an extremely responsible manner. Now, while this solution provides a framework which are based on uh, four principles, uh, fairness, ethics, uh, accountability, and transparency, MAS being MAS, it's not just about the theoretical aspect, they're also providing an open source tools kit to all the various financial institutions who try to implement this. So it's not just a theoretical aspect, it's actually a very practical aspect also. And that kind of like ties in really well, I would say, with, as you mentioned, right, like Singapore's grand goals of becoming a smart nation mm -hmm. and becoming, being the forefront of using and implementing technology within society, but in a very smart and responsible manner. Can we really expect the financial institutions to self-police, though, in this race to competitive advantage and, you know, f being the first out with the latest tech? I don't think self-police it would be the fair uh, phrase to use in all fairness. I think NAS, as always, has given the guideline, mm. is providing assistance and a toolkit for banks to be able to utilize technology in the right way. And so as long as you play by these principles and rules and guidelines, then by all means, you know, be creative, take the initiative, try and implement technology for a better tomorrow. You need to be, regulations have to be put, I feel, in, especially in something like this that can potentially be extremely dangerous. Erect the guidelines. It's kind of like a sandbox, but at a much larger scale, right? right? Erect the walls around financial institutions in terms of how you will implement this, but at the same time, give them, give them enough freedom to try and figure out what the best solution, what the best technology is for be it productivity, be it enhancement, be it a better customer journey, etc. He's Arun Pai, Chief Crystals Officer at Crystals AI. Let's talk about Singapore. DBS, Southeast Asia's biggest lender, has reported that higher wealth management fees boosted a forecast-beating 15% rise in Q3 profit. What do you think investors need to take note of with DBS? Oh, absolutely. Like DBS being the largest of the three local banks in Singapore gives a really good indication. It's like the bellwether of the Singaporean economy. Mm. And, you know, kind of looping it back to our Hong Kong uh, topic that we discussed a little bit earlier, it does have a large, you know, exposure to that country. And that was something that uh, shareholders of the bank, which including me for that matter, were a bit concerned about. Mm. The earnings came out to be slightly better than expected, which was great considering the economy in general was slowing down. Whole trade war jitters are ongoing right now in the economy. The NIM was basically around 1.9, which is around seven basis points higher than, or eight basis points higher than last year. Piyush Gupta came out saying that the net interest margin would basically drop by about seven basis points for the next year. And revenue and profit were probably going to increase in the low single digits. That kind of put a ceiling on the share price, I would say. You know, you could see that the share price didn't react that much. They did issue a 30 cents uh, dividend for the quarter. So that's always, uh, you know, good thing for a shareholder. As you mentioned, you know, wealth management was uh, one of the outstanding sectors that led to a good earnings report. But I think one interesting thing that Piyush also mentioned was the digital transformation of the bank is an everlasting journey and it's actually going pretty well. 
and thereby the decent results. So really looking forward to seeing what more innovative applications and processes that PBS comes out with, be it for our customers or SMEs. And they also highlighted that they're also on the lookout for acquisitions, but capped at probably about 5% of their market cap, which is around $68 billion. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to eat, you know, more than they can chew. They're more than happy to keep taking small little add-ons, assist in that digital transformation also, plug it into their ecosystem and see a more immediate return to their bottom line. So as shareholders, uh, you know, quite pleased with the results. I personally think the share prices are reasonably valued. It's getting a quite an attractive dividend at this point of time, trading at a slightly high, like about 1.3, 1.4 price to book. Overall, quite pleased with the way the business is run, and uh, hopefully it can continue its uh, good run of returns. Okay, let's look ahead to the impending IPO of Saudi petroleum giant Aramco. They're going to take bids from investors this Sunday. It is such an anticipated IPO. It's released a prospectus that did not disclose the size of the sale or the pricing range. The prospect said Aramco would sell up to 0.5% of its shares to individual investors. The giant still deciding on the percentage for institutional investors. Everybody is trying to put a finger on the valuation investment research from Bernstein estimates the valuation could fall between 1.2 trillion and 1.5 trillion US dollars. What do you think investors should take note of when it comes to Aramco? Yeah, personally, I actually didn't read the Bernstein report, but I've seen various other analyst reports that range it from $1 trillion to $2 trillion. Mm. And this is trillion, right? Like the largest market cap in the world right now for a company is a trillion dollars. So it's a really interesting space where no one really can peg the value. Obviously, the government that wants to raise as much capital as possible wants it at the highest end. And that's exactly why the IPO has been delayed for such a long time because they really wanted you know, the the highest prices they can achieve out of this. In terms of the way they're going about doing it, it's a bit interesting where, like you were mentioning, they'll release a very small percentage of shares to the local Riyadh Stock Exchange. And I think the rationale for doing that is that they can kind of control the retail investors and can, can kind of potentially push up the valuation in its relatively more closed stock exchange right. before releasing, I believe, close to like 5% of its shares in various international markets. Timing is a bit interesting, given the fact that oil prices haven't done that great in the past three to six months. Mm. Iran obviously wanted to throw a spanner in the works, and it came out with an announcement, I think last week, was it, where they said that they suddenly discovered, quote-unquote, 51 billion barrels. And just to give an idea, that's roughly around 25% of their existing oil deposits. So it's, you know, to obviously like throw some shade on uh, the Iran Pro's IPO. Not just the Iran factor, but I also feel just generally the way uh, sustainability, the environment, climate change, ESG themes are getting to be a lot more prevalent in the investors nowadays. Yep. That will lead to share volatility, if not you know, Aramco not being able to reach up to the $2 trillion valuation. And of course, you know, technology that's been uh, rampant in the U.S. that's managed to uh, create this whole shale boom, where now the U.S. uh, has gone from a massive uh, energy importer is being able to churn out something like 12 million barrels a day and has begun exporting oil and LPG and stuff right now. So that's all on the negative side. The flip side, though, is 
at the end of the day, you have a company that generated a net income of something like $110 billion last year, mm. of which they will pay out a dividend of close to $75 billion. You know, so pros and cons, we'll see how it eventually works out. I think in the short run, you might even see the valuation coming to the top end because of the whole closed stock exchange ecosystem in within uh, Saudi Arabia. But in the long run, I think it'll be a little bit more difficult for them to get away with such a high valuation, especially because they will be issuing more and more shares in the future, right? Because this is just the first step right. for Saudi Arabia to right. try and revolutionize and change itself from being a pure oil producer to using capital for other things. So can potentially see subsequent offerings in the market also, which will lead to a gap in the share price. Well, we've covered a lot of ground today. Thank you so much, Arun, for your time. My pleasure, Michelle. Thank you very much. Chat with you next week. Arun Pai is Chief Crystals Officer at Crystal AI on Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.